It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, brought to you by good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of elements, be sure and check them out at one of their four locations, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and of course their Knoxville location at 8018 Kingston Pike. I'm told that's next to Chicken Salad Chick, across the street from Trader Joe's and Barnes and Nobles in that section of Kingston Pike in West Knoxville. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. Be sure and check them out. You can also visit them online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Guys, a lot to get to on this podcast. Let's put a little bow tie on Tennessee, Florida. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it good, bad, ugly. If you want to call it hot, not hot takes, whatever you want to call it. Rob, you've had a couple of days to digest this thing. What What is your takeaway from Tennessee and Florida? Uh, both result, obviously, in the game and then for Tennessee moving forward. I mean, first two quarters, I were pretty good. I mean, both sides of the ball. I mean, Tennessee has a 14-10 lead, and in the second quarter, I mean, they're, I think, frustrating Florida a little bit defensively. And um, I guess, you know, like I, I wrote in the 3 2 1, I, what it showed me was that, you know, I think the staff can can watch tape of an opponent. I think they can come up with a game plan. I think they can coach kids up to execute it. And then, you know, once you get into the game and maybe somebody makes adjustments to what you're doing, Tennessee doesn't have the talent to, you know, go off script. And, and, and just play. And I thought that's what the second half was. I thought Florida caught on to what Tennessee wanted to do both sides of the ball and just, just dominated them. Austin, if someone would have told you that Tennessee was going to have 423 yards at Florida, one, would you have bought that? And B, would you have said Tennessee was only going to score 14 points? Well, no, I thought they were only going to score 14 points. But, I mean, you know, Tom Brady threw for 400 yards in the NFL yesterday. And, you know, he took a late garbage time touchdown for them to – you know, get over 20 points. So it's not like they were, I mean, it just kind of is football at times. Um, you know, my thing is, is, you know, as Rob pointed out, you know, Florida just had their way, especially against Tennessee's defense. Uh, you know, Tennessee struggled to defend Emory Jones. How many times did he slip out the backside um, and pick up a first down or pick up big yardage on the ground? You know, it won't be that way this week, you know, Missouri's quarterbacks are not nearly as mobile as Emory Jones. Um, obviously, next week against South Carolina, Matt Corral could have similar type impact on the ground. I mean, he wants to stay in the pocket, but he can make plays with his feet. Pretty good athlete. Um, but that's something Tennessee's going to have to be very cognizant of, um, you know, at different points of this year. You know, I, I think for that's a good point. And, and obviously, they're not, they're not facing a, a, a mobile quarterback necessarily by trade. But, but, Rob, when you look at it, I mean, some of Emory Jones' yards were by scramble, not by design run. We saw Kenny Pickett with a couple of important scrambles for Pitt to extend drives. I mean, th- this defensive front has to play contained better, don't they? Or, or, or the, the front seven. I mean, I'm not saying you spy quarterback every play, but, but th- they've let the quarterback scramble cost them some third-down conversions. And, and I know that happens from time to time, but – that's something I think they've got to tighten up on moving forward. Yeah, I would agree. But I mean, I think it's a problem for everybody, though. I and mean, I think that's the most that, – that you know, mobile quarterback is the hardest thing to defend in, at any level of football. 
I mean, look at, I mean, AP decided uh, NFL reference. I mean, look at the Baltimore Ravens yesterday, Lamar Jackson on fourth and 19 with a 16 seconds left, buying enough time to convert a fourth and 19 and set up a, a crazy field goal situation. So, I mean, I, th- I think that's tough. I mean, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, Hubbard. I just think that's really hard when the bullets are flying and you're getting, you're playing a guy like Emory Jones. It's that, is that dynamic. Austin, Josh Heupel said after the game that um, Hendon Hooker did some really good things, a lot of things to build on. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to play this week. Well, what was your takeaway from Hooker? Um, clearly, he's Tennessee's best quarterback option when, when healthy. If he can get healthy, how far do you think this offense can grow moving forward in the short term here, if he can get back sooner rather than later? Well, I think they can be more consistent in putting points on the board. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, no matter who the quarterback is, Tennessee's going to drop some plays to get people open, and if you hit on them, you're going to score a few points. I mean, you look at the, the screen call was a, a great call to Tyon Evans. Then they kind of stacked him at the bottom of the screen and hit, you know, Javante Payton on the, you know, on, on where he slipped out and got behind the secondary. Um, I, You know, if Tennessee can connect on throws – no matter who the quarterback is, they're going to be able to have opportunities like that. You know, I think what he can do is he continues to, you know, kind of get his feet stable in the uh, in the offense. I think he can be able, you know, provide more consistency at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I, if I'm Tennessee, you know, if he's 60% this week, I'm probably playing him. Like, I just feel like you need him. I mean, like, it, the only way he doesn't play for me is if he just can't go. Like, I, you know, and, and, you know, it's not a concussion thing because Heupel announced he's not in, in concussion protocol. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Rob, I mean, obviously there's, there's been separation created between, between Hooker and, and Joe Milton. Um, Hooker's touchdown passes, five of his seven touchdown passes, have been for 29 yards or more. He's got a 44-yard touchdown pass, a 45, 47, 75, and a 29. Now, one of those is a screen pass, but some of those others are, are vertical vertical throws. I mean, for a guy whose reputation was he was conservative with the ball, that seem, he seems to be getting out of that. I mean, I think that's the unfortunate thing about this injury because it felt like there was a little bit of rhythm developing or at least confidence developing with Hooker in this offense if – if the guys around him could play and catch the ball. Yeah. I mean, I thought, you know, I'm not trying to, and I know you're not either. I'm not trying to say he was all, he's all SEC caliber all of a sudden, but he, if he plays like he did in the first half at Florida, you can win some football games for that guy. I mean, he was good. The the offense was good. I mean, they, you know, they missed an opportunity. I I thought, you know, with mismanagement there at the end of the first half, but, you know, easily could have been tied going into halftime there. And, it wasn't like they were having, at least to me, watching it, didn't seem like they were having to scheme around Hooker. He was making plays. He was making plays with his feet. You know, I thought after after the bigger three and out in the first series, or they were out quick, whatever it was, I thought Heupel did a good job of doing with some design runs that I think kind of got Hooker into the flow of it. And, um, I mean, he threw the ball fine in the first half. I mean, obviously, the big throw to Peyton, but he made a couple other, you know, nice – it, not necessarily intermediate, like 10 to 15 yards, but beyond the line of scrimmage, put put guys in positions to make plays. I'm going to see if he can replicate what he did those first two quarters at Florida, you know, Tennessee can win some football games. 
The question though is, can they protect him, Austin? And and yeah, that's a big question. You know, with, with Cooper Mays, I think out. We talked about it in the two minute drill. I, it just doesn't feel like he's going to be playing, maybe for a while. Uh, certainly doesn't feel like he's going to be able to go this week. What can I mean? What does that offensive line look like? What can they piece together? How do you mask that if you're Josh Heupel? We talk about scheming guys open. What what do you do if you're Josh Heupel to try to mask an offensive line? that's clearly got some concerns and some issues, even when they are hundred percent healthy. Well, much like, you know, it's pretty clear to see that, you know, they don't want to go down the Harrison Bailey road. They don't really seem like they want to go down the, you know, the road of, you know, trying out Dane Davis. I mean, for all the, the love he got back in spring and even maybe early in fall camp, more spring though, uh, than fall camp. Um, you know, they, their, their desire is to keep Kate out of tackle and, and just, plug in an Ollie Lane or, you know, Kingston Harris, who is not going to be available this week. So who emerges? Do they, do they go down the, the guard well once again and see who they can pull out there? Um, you know, somebody brought up on the board, you know, keeping Carvin at guard and playing Jackson Lampley at center. Um, uh, you know, it just seems like they want to keep Kate at tackle at all costs, you know, just based off of how they've structured games and, kind of how they went about things in recent weeks. But, you know, who knows? I mean, eventually, you know, much like Willie may have to be forced to make a move at safety, they may be forced to make a, a different combination on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I, you almost feel like they're getting to that point a little bit. I mean, and again, if – if and I'm not picking on Jerome Carvin because he's one of their best five. He's one of their best five at guard. He's got to play better at the center position. Uh, and I don't think it's a physical thing, Rob, but I mean, they're a different looking offensive team from an efficiency standpoint when he's at center versus when Cooper is at center. And, and I would say Jerome Carvin's a more physical player than Cooper is. So it, it's, it's gotta be about management of the game up front. Carvin's got to have a great week at practice for, for Tennessee. If they're going to play at the efficiency level, they want to play at. And I don't just mean speed, like seconds off the clock. I just mean efficiency of, Lining up, managing the game, and 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 using some of that stuff to your advantage. He to me, he's as this is as big of a week for him for this team as it is for anybody else on the roster. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and it's been really obvious. I mean, even to you know the, an untrained eye that when when Cooper goes out, I mean, going back to the Bowling Green game, Tennessee's rolling rolling along on offense the first few series, and then you know Cooper goes out and, and they kind of bog down. Was it just? Was that the only reason? I don't know. But, I mean, I don't think that it was just a, an ab- absolute coincidence. And and there's a lot going on at center. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's moving from guard where you're not worried about a whole lot other than doing your job to moving to the center where so, suddenly, you know, you're not, you're not only trying to read the front, get guys – get get guys in the right checks, but then you also have to go through the operation of snapping the football. It's a – I mean, it's a big adjustment, but – I mean, when they're buying your books, <laughs> you, need to, you need to do a better job of it. Well, it's his third week working exclusively at that position um, on the practice field or working with the number ones on the practice field at that position. So uh, this, is an, this is an important week for there. We had this question in the podcast in the mailbag edition last week or the week before, and it, the, the question was, was there a, a number one wide receiver on this team? Is Javante Payton becoming that guy? He's becoming the the biggest home run threat, at least. I mean, I don't know if that's who you're looking for 
necessarily on third and seven, but if you're looking to to pick up, you know, a, a chunk play, I mean, that to me, he looks like the most dangerous downfield guy right now. The guy that can get himself I, I was, open. I'm with Rob on that. I, I I don't think they have a number one. I think they have pieces that fit into what Hype wants to do: a deep threat guy, an underneath guy, a possession guy. Um, I don't think they have a number one. They don't have a Robert Meacham. They don't have a Marcus Nash or a Peerless Price or, you know, any any of the number ones from yesteryear. You know, they don't have Carl Pickens. They don't have even a Corey Fleming. Um, or Jawan Jennings even. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I think Rob's – Rob hits the nail on the head. I think he's just become the main deep threat option because Jalen Hyatt has, uh, you know, Ooh. not been able to emerge. So, as the top three receivers on this team right now, or top three options for the quarterback right now, um, and again, I'm with you guys. I get what you're saying, but is it Peyton for the deep ball, Valus underneath, and Jacob Warren, the the possession guy, or Cedric Tillman? I was going to say maybe Tillman for, you know, if it's third and five, third and six, and you're just trying to move the chains. Well, Warren Warren is being used like that though, Brent. So I mean, I can see why you got him labeled in that area. Yeah, I mean, I I just – I mean, I, I'm really impressed with what Jacob Warren has gotten done. And, and I know you guys liked him as an athlete. If I'm Tennessee, I'm excited about the fact he's got two years past this year. I, I just – you know, he, he made the, – the one guy, he, he you know, he got a quick turn to get to the first down when he caught the ball short of the sticks. He ran the out pattern to get to the sticks to convert the third down. I mean, if I'm a quarterback and I'm in a third and short situation – with his size and frame, that, that may be the first place I'm looking. Because I don't think there's a ton of difference between him and Cedric Tillman. Athletically. Now, now I do think Cedric Tillman's a, a, a good amount faster than Jacob Warren. Yeah, if but, they picked but, up around a 40-yard dash, I think Tillman would run past him. Right. But but I'm talking about in a third and five, if you got to run a stop Yeah, route, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I think I think Jacob – Bigger catch radius. Yeah, he can box out Cedric Tillman. He can box out better than Cedric Tillman. He's not going to run a, a takeoff, but – you know, I don't know that that's what Cedric Tillman is going to run a ton of either. I, I just – I think he is emerged – when you talk about offensive surprises, for me, he's as big of an offensive surprise as anybody is on this roster through four games in, in terms of his production. I, I'm not surprised that he's had an impact. I'm, I, I would be surprised that he's had as big of an impact as he has. Um, I knew he would flourish under this system. I, it just – he, he, he made the most sense of anybody as far as, like, going from old system to new system and the light coming on, just knowing what his skill set is from high school. Yeah, he's got five catches this year that, were, that are for first downs. He had three in his career coming in. And how many of them were – and I guarantee you, all three of those were at the end of last year. Yeah, when he, when he was playing. At late. Auburn twice and against uh, the A&M game for the touchdown. Yep. That's Leading receiver on the team with 11 catches. Yeah, I, I just – I mean, to me, again, I, I thought he could have a chance to have an impact, but I didn't – I didn't think they would use him as much as they've been using him this way. Uh, and, let me ask – And, and this is a kid, or if you remember, Jeremy Pruitt told him when he first got here, if he didn't get to 240 pounds after his freshman year, he's cutting him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't – I mean, they weren't in love – that staff was not in love with him at all. They inherited that commitment. They honored it because of – locality and family and everything else. But Brian, the, Brian Niedermeyer wanted to cut Jacob Warren and Philip Fulmer stopped it. Yeah. And uh, he's some hurt. I mean, and again, that goes back to a little bit of recruiting. That's a different topic. I, I wasn't planning on going down, but you know, we talk about, everybody talks about stars. They talk about measurables. 
Rob, so much of this is about fit. I mean, here's a guy that if, if, if it's not this offense that comes, that's coming in, is, is Jacob Warren a guy who's even in a discussion point right now? But this offense and the way they use a tight end, it's the perfect fit for him. And as a result, he's Tennessee's leading receiver in receptions through four games. And and development, too. I mean, he's he's, no question he's a better fit for this offense. And he's gained a weight, but he's physically a lot better. And he's put the work in, too, to where, you know, he's not anybody's idea of a dominant blocker. But, I mean, he can – you know, it's it's not – defense automatically isn't saying pass, pass, pass when he's in the game now. Like might have been the case, you know, a year or two ago. Yeah, I mean, he's still got work to do is from a physical standpoint as a blocker, but the way they're using him, he's certainly become a weapon for this offense. Speaking of weapons for the offense, you mentioned Ty and Evans with with the screen pass. Um, I, I'm for more Ty and Evans moving forward, but based on based on what I saw, more carries, and, and that's not a knock on Jabari Small. I just think I think Ty and Evans has a chance to make a big play about any time he touches the ball, because I think he's got better feet and can make more people miss. Well, and I also think now that you're playing big boy football in the SEC, he's just built – I mean, he's just built – he's just more powerful. He's built He's built for it. And that's not an knock on Jamari Small, who I think is a good football player, deserves to play. But now that now that you're playing this kind of physical brand of football every week, I think Tyon is a better fit based off what we've seen so far. I, I mean, I liked him out of the backfield. I don't know why he only got one carry in the first half against Florida. He finished with 10 in the second half. The way he started the second half for Tennessee was obviously some some man runs in there for, for sure. Um, I, I think you will see some more of him moving forward. I think the other – on the flip side of that, the question is, where is Byron Young and, and what's, what's going on with that? Is that just a case of – him missing the first two games, still knocking off rust, adjusting to SEC. He's played two games now, once against Tennessee Tech. He recorded some tackles, but he wasn't really in the backfield. Um, is this a guy who is a summer hype and it's just it's just not clicked there yet? Or is the expectations for him, did they get created so unrealistic that he, he's probably playing pretty well? It's just not as productive as everybody thought he would be based on the hype. It's – it's – I think what you just said a second ago, the, 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 the set unrealistic expectations. And we're all guilty of that um, with, with Byron Young. Um, but, you know, and it's, and listen, people on the board, all the mods and the media, you know, look, this wasn't a, you know, Josh Heupel or, or, you know, Tim Banks or whoever talking him up. This was literally everybody over there. Support staff, players, listen, players don't lie. Like if you ask the player what they think about what you know, especially the ones I talk to because they're they they can be you know pretty opinionated. Um, but they raved about Byron Young and how how really good he was in fall camp. Um, it could be just you know the fact that you know they played Tennessee Tech. It took him a while to get in the game there. When he did get in the game, you know he was he made a few plays, but nothing crazy. And then it took him forever to get on the field Saturday against Florida. Um, and, and then the way Florida plays with Emory Jones, you know, was Tennessee kind of hesitant to put him out there because part of what he brings is pinning your ears back, and you can't really pin your ears back when Emory Jones can break contained at any point. Yeah, I would just say go back. If, if you want to say it was the media, I would go back and watch or, or read what Mike Eckler had to say about it when, when he met with the media in August. 
Yeah, I just think it's probably some unrealistic expectation. And I just wonder if it's and, – and I'm not declaring him anything. I just – I wonder how much he's got, he's got to get settled into the game and how much does the game speed pretty, pretty fast for him. I mean, he has nine tackles in two games, which is one less than Roman Harrison has in four games. So he, he's not been terrible. He just hasn't made – But that. everybody thought he was going to be Derek Barnett. I thought he was going to be the sack master, you know, thought yeah. he was going to come in. I don't know how many sacks was realistic last week, you know, against, um, against Florida. We'll, we'll see what he does this week. I, I just, I've seen some people talking about him like he's, you know, this huge major disappointment. I was, I wanted to get your take, your guys take on that. The other take, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, but before we hit a little recruiting and hit a little hoops out, out the door here is where is, where is Tennessee? Where is Tim Banks' challenge? How do you manage the challenge of the trust factor versus you got to force more depth? You got to force more guys to play. I mean, Josh Heifel was asked Monday about, you know, those safeties, Christian Charles, and, and playing those guys there. And he referenced the fact that Christian Charles played in the first half. I think he played one snap. When, he when played three. I three, played three. Okay. When, when Flowers went out with a, with a bit of an injury and came back, how much do you have to set and force yourself to say, hey, we, we got to play these guys some series versus – I guess – let me ask it this way. Is there is there a way for those guys to ever fully gain trust in the practice field to where you're really going to play over a veteran guy in meaningful snaps? Is that – No. And, and, again, they blew a chance Saturday when they were down 17 and they weren't going to win the football game. To not get, you know, McDonald and Christian Charles and whoever else, you know, more experience. I mean, what more are you going to learn about, you know, Tank McCullough or Trayvon Flowers as Florida goes down and gets a cheap touchdown late? You're not going to learn anything. But, I mean, it might help you to have, you know, one of those guys out there just to help them, you know, be in that environment. I don't know. I, You know, did it make a – difference in the game no would it have made a difference in the game no but like you can't preach that you need guys to come on and then not give them reps and and garbage time yeah i mean i thought those guys should have got more reps in the tennessee tech game i I thought there's an opportunity for for them to to play a lot more there um than than what they did i I just i I, that's the age-old question rob you know when you, you even see this in basketball you heard you heard rick barnes talk about this hey we got to broaden my depth gonna extend the depth gotta extend the bench you know, then you get into the game and it's like, hey, he didn't play. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's committed to doing it. Then you get in the game and, no, nah, he didn't play. You, you know, um, I, I just think for this defense, and really for this whole team, but particularly in a couple of areas on defense where some young guys appear to be coming on, they're going to have to make a commitment there to develop some of those guys by giving them some, some game reps at some point. Um, uh, otherwise, I don't know that those guys are really going to have an opportunity to, to help you a whole lot this year. Uh, other than special teams, but, but we'll see. Um, all right. So we don't think Hendon Hooker or, you know, we don't know that Hendon Hooker is not going to play. We won't know that till Saturday. Austin, you're saying if he's 60%, you know, then, then play him. Um, Austin's ready to put him in a cowboy collar and put him out there and play and understand why. If it is Joe Milton, it, it, you know, and that's where you go and where you have to go at quarterback. How how do you manage him if you're if you're Josh Heupel? What what do you do to try to get him to 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 settle down? And 
and maybe I'm wrong, it feels like when he's in the game, the game is going really, really fast for him, which surprises me a little bit. I know their tempo's fast, but, but Robbie, he's played power five football. It surprises me that the game speed looks really quick to him once the ball snapped. At least I agree. And the point of it. And he, I mean, I, and I, I don't want to judge him too harshly on Saturday night because he came in cold. You know, that's the game's out of hand. Florida knows you're trying to pass. I mean, they're playing soft, taking away a lot of stuff. But, you know, he just didn't, he did he just didn't look ready. And I, whether, you know, the game was fast or if he you know, just didn't practice, he knew it wasn't going to start. So maybe that affected how he practiced. Uh, I mean, the gap between him and Hooker looked really big in what you saw Saturday night. When he threw that shovel pass, Rob, I, if that had been a Disney movie, it would have lodged in the face mask and the, the ball carrier would have, you know, somehow found a way to score blind. Because, um, I mean, he threw it just like a million miles an hour. Um, and like people in the board talking about overthrow, he didn't overthrow it. He just hurled it at him <laughs> like Peyton Manning on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Pelton the kids um you know he walked into the uh, complex with the glasses on today and i told hubs i said maybe that's part of the problem maybe his depth perception's off he thinks the kids are 60 yards downfield and they're really only 30 could, could be ricky vaughn man but uh, what he I, I the question i've got is if he's the starter how do you get him in a rhythm if you're josh heupel is it slant city to try yes. to get him in a rhythm Short passes the, and slants. I mean, that's the best throw he, he, he seems to make. Is I mean, because if, if you're going to go play with him, this is a winnable football game against Missouri. I'm not saying they're going to win, but this is this is a this is a winnable game, much more winnable than last week was. So, how do you manage him? What, what, what do you do to try to get to where you can get some production? You know, so, some some maximized production out of him is is I think the. I think that's a challenge for Josh Heupel and his staff this week. I don't know how you do that. Um, I, I thought, again, their scheme going into the game against Florida to try to slow down some of the pass rush and slow down the blitz stuff, you know, the screens, the Utah pass, you know, those things. I thought they had some really good stuff. I just wonder what you come up with to help a quarterback who has been as erratic as he's been in the opportunities he's had to play. I don't know what you do scheme-wise to help him out. You yeah, run the I mean, football. I mean, that's certainly something. But, I mean, I, I it's, a, it's a small sample size. But the first two drives against Bully Green, I mean, uh, that that's the blueprint, I think. I mean, he was he was in – that's a different kind of defense, I know. But, it, but he was in rhythm. I'm talking about timing, um, accuracy, the way, that, the way that they were able to move the football. I, th- I think that's the blueprint for what you do. And then you work, it, you work him up and hopefully – you know, maybe he can hit one of those shots. I, I wonder what that would do for him mentally, if you know, if he could, you know, hit the, hit the home run that when the when the pitch is out over the middle of the plate, like it has been a few times. Yeah, get 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 that and get a little juice going that way for him. Get him maybe settled down again. I may be wrong, but it just looks like everything's really really quite fast for him uh, right now. All right, let let's talk a little. Um, uh, let's talk a little hoops recruiting. I, I know football recruiting is really slow right now, Austin. It, it's going to be, you know, home games, you know, get back to some home games, get some guys on campus at the end of October. That, that's going to be the case. The biggest thing they can do to help themselves in recruiting right now is win. You know, find a way to win on Saturday, find a way to, to, to beat South Carolina um, and, and try to get a little momentum going for them that way. 
they don't need to worry about finding wins to get some momentum in hoops recruiting, Rob, because they keep bringing in four and five star after four and five star. Uh, had one in this past weekend. Where, where are things? Where are things shaping up? What does this thing look like? And and I mean, they're they're poised there with a bunch of really high profile names. Is it boom or bust there with, with that, or or what is what does this board look like for people down the street? Yeah, I, mean, I think it could be boom or bust because they are just. I mean. Re- the, the level that they're recruiting at, the swings they're taking, are all for for big time guys. Um, Julian Phillips, who was in this weekend, um, he's shutting his recruitment down as far as visits. He's done. He's seen Tennessee and USC this fall, and he's also also saw LSU, Clemson, Wake Forest, um, Florida State back in the summer. I think I think Tennessee, LSU, Florida State are probably the three. And you know that's kind of kind of like the old electric company thing. Two of these things belong together. <laughs> Guess which one is is not the same. So you know, swimming in those waters, I, I don't I don't know that I love Tennessee's chances. But you know, the kid was here. The parents made the trip this weekend. That tells me it's serious because they don't live together. The kid goes to Missouri or goes to high school in Missouri. Parent, he's from Columbia. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces to you know, make that official visit happen. If, you know, if they weren't, if they weren't serious about Tennessee, they don't go through that effort in my opinion. So we'll see. I mean, he's a really, really good player, really good player. Tennessee kind of got on him late because of the staff change, didn't offer him until the summer. So the fact that, you know, he was, they were able to get him on campus as, as a, for an official visit without, you know, having been, been on the schools recruiting for a couple of years. I think that tells you a lot. Like, like ha- happens in a lot of cases with six, eight, six, nine kids that, that are big time offensive players. He loves Kevin Durant. So, you know, that, that R- uncle Ricky connection, um, it, it, I think is one of the lures there, but you know, when, when, when the kid takes two official visits in the fall and you get one that, that tells me you're, you're deep in it. will be interesting to see how deep and they, they stay in it and where things play out for them. Uh, on the hoops recruiting front, we're going to continue to track that, continue to follow that for you as well. Things will get heated up some on the football recruiting front once Tennessee gets back home and brings some visits. It does I think from the travel standpoint this this weekend, Austin, an early game, they're not going to go out and evaluate anybody in the Midwest. I, I think that's really going to be hard to do. Same for the South Carolina noon start. going to be hard for them to go out and evaluate anybody on a Friday night as well, right? Yep, and it's hard for kids to get here. Yeah. I think that, that you know, the noon start works against them for the South Carolina unofficial visits. And again, it works, it, it works, makes it hard for coaches to go out on Friday nights and, and see kids play because they've got meetings with the team and everything to get ready for uh, the game on Saturday morning. But well, what's the SEC up. record for new, new kickoffs? The balls have got to, it, it's got to be within reach at this point. Uh, you got to call Vanderbilt. I'm sure that they've, that they're, they're probably the 10 time recipient of that record um, for, for those noon starts. Um, but, um, Tennessee's locked in and hey if they had not played on Thursday night that would have been a noon start that weekend as well against Bowling Green to open the season because that was the other game there so um, breakfast and lunch with the Vols the way it is the next two weeks as Tennessee uh, travels to Columbia and obviously hosts South Carolina but again recruiting will pick up some later this month hoops recruiting in full spring and we'll have uh, full coverage of everything for Tennessee and Missouri throughout the week this week get you ready for Tennessee's next SEC meeting. That's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. 
been listening to the Ball Quest podcast every week here on Ball Quest.